Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Yes, 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 yes. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, whether you are here in person, whether you're following us online or you're listening to the podcast, I want to welcome you guys. And also, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I hope that this week is a great week for you guys. I hope you get together with family and um, get a little bit of rest and I hope you guys have a great time. Um, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. We're actually in the middle of a series. Does anybody know the name of the series? Toxic. toxic. Yes, toxic. Um, today we're going to be talking about toxic words. The words that you say, the words that you speak matter. They matter in your marriage. They matter in your relationship with your kids. They matter in your relationship with other people. And so a lot of times we think that, you know, we just take them for granted. We just let them flow. We let them do whatever, you know, whatever comes to mind. And so that should not be the case. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians, everybody say Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I want to begin with a story that I told you a while back, but I think it's, it'll help illustrate, it'll help introduce the topic today. Toxic words is what we're talking about. So there were some missionaries in Haiti, poorest country in the world, I believe, one of the poorest countries in the world. And what these missionaries reported is that they were, there was an epidemic of like pink eye. And there were hundreds of children run around with pink eye and if you've ever had pink eye you know like it itches your eye and these kids were running around with crusted eyes i mean it was just like super painful they don't have the the medicine that we have in our day and age uh, here in this country and so there were some women who were fed up and were frustrated with all of these children their children running around with pink eye and so they decided to take matters into their own hand and they decided to come up with a homemade remedy and what they did is they took bleach and they mixed it with a few other ingredients yeah you heard me right bleach and they took that mixture that homemade remedy and they rubbed it on the children's eyes and I can just see you your reaction you know the outcome what they thought was going to help the children ended up hurt in them potentially for many of them they went blind true story the reason why i begin with that because i is because i believe that's happening on a spiritual level in our country in our world specifically as it relates to the toxic words that we say and the toxic words that we hear sometimes so if you have your bibles ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 if you missed a week or so let me just remind you this is sort of our working definition for the word toxic what we've said is that toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing serious sickness or even death so toxic words yes i believe the words that you say can create they can build up they can tear down, they can potentially not just make you spiritually sick, but they can potentially even kill you, okay? Now, when we read this passage, I want you to keep in mind this, the topic today, toxic words, okay? So as we read the words of, from, from God's word, Ephesians 4, 17, and the next few verses, I want you to keep in mind the topic that we're talking about, okay? Everybody ready? Give me a thumbs up if you're good. 4, 17, let's go. I love your heart right there. There you go. 
It is. It says, with the Lord's authority, this Paul, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He begins saying, it is with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Who are the Gentiles? So the Gentiles, in many cases, represent the world, okay? They represent people who are far from God. They represent people who have no faith at, at times. And in our world, uh, we, we, we know that the people that sometimes we deal with, they're not always Christians. They're not always Jesus followers. Sometimes they're... Um, Gentiles is what the Bible calls them. It says, so Paul is, is challenging the, the uh, Jesus followers to live no longer as the Gentiles. In other words, don't live like the world, okay? And then he says, for they are hopelessly confused. They're confused. They're like, they're like they, they have been poisoned by the affairs of the world. They're like those children walking blindly. They don't know the difference between what really matters and what doesn't. They don't know the truth. In fact, look in verse 18. It, it, he tells us plain, plain and simple. It says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the, the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. Look in verse 19. They have no sense of shame. So he's talking about the world. They don't know any better. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That's the word toxic that we're talking about. They live in this world. They're part of this world. They don't know any better, okay? And sometimes our expectations of people are a little bit higher than they should be. And so Paul is saying, I want, you to, I want you to observe what's out there. Don't be like the world. Don't live like this, like, like them, because they're, they're, they're lost. They're hopelessly confused, is the word that he, use, that he uses. They're, um, they, they practice, eagerly practice, verse 19, every kind of impurity. Now look in verse 20. But that is not what you have learned. I believe that many of you, not all of you, I know some of you, you're coming in and you're, you still have questions, you're kind of checking things out. For, but for the majority of us, we would agree that God's word, like we, we believe in, the, in God's word, and we follow it, we're Jesus followers. And so for the majority of us, we would, we would look at this verse and, say, and, 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 and take it as like, okay, this is me, like God speaking to me. And he's saying, but that is not what you've learned from Christ, he says. He's speaking to believers. He says, since you heard about Jesus, since you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? The old nature, the sinful nature. Does anybody in here ever have to put up a little bit with your old sin, sinful nature? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah, we all, we all have a little, those little demons, right, that pop up out of nowhere every once in a while, and we're like, man, where did that come from? That's not me. You know, what I just did, that doesn't define who I am. And so Paul is saying, listen, because you know the truth from Jesus Christ, because you've heard the truth, then you have to take matters into your own hand and throw off your old nature. It doesn't come naturally. Like, it doesn't just come by, like, coincidence. You know, you wake up, you're a Jesus follower, and now you're, you know, you're good to go. You're, you can go in auto mode. No, 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 no. You have to work on it. And he's saying, because you know Christ, because you know better, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted. 
And instead, verse 23, watch this. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So I applaud you for being here. What you're doing today is you're practicing this verse. Did you know that? You, you are consciously saying, you know what? I am going to make a commitment, whether you're following online, whether you're listening. What you're doing right now is you're saying, you know what? I'm going to refresh my mind, my thoughts. I'm going to put on, just let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That's what you're doing right now. So I applaud you for, for being here. Put on your new nature. That's what you're doing. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. We looked at that word last week. It's the opposite of the word toxic. It's the opposite of the word polluted. Okay? So you're putting on that, your gear. Now look in verse 29. This is our key verse. This is a verse that I, wanted to, I want us to anchor ourselves to today. He says this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Watch this. Let everything, pay attention to the verse, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let me read it again. Let everything you what? Okay, let's try that again. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your what? Words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let's pray. God, I ask right now that you would untie my tongue. God, I pray that you would speak um, your word through me, Father. I pray that you would just communicate to our hearts, um, to our minds, Father. I pray that um, by the power of your word, you would give us insight into what it is that you want us to practice this is not a message that's um, theologically uh, full of content and new material, but it is a message that every single person here can practice today, whether we're eight years old or 80 years old, Father. And so I ask you that we would be the real deal, that we would be, that we would be authentic Christians, God, that we would practice faith in tangible ways. And so, God, I ask that you'd remove distractions Help me communicate. Help you, your, your spirit penetrate our hearts. God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what I want you to notice. And if you, you, you already know this. I'm not telling you anything new. But if, if you pay careful attention to the words that are being communicated in our world today, politics, okay? Like I think our, our, our country is divided in part, in large part, because of the words that are being thrown around by our politicians. And I'm not just going to throw politicians under the bus. Many of us do it as well. You get on Twitter. I mean, I'm on all the social media, Facebook, you know, but I'm just picking on Twitter this morning. You get on Twitter, and what you see is brutal sometimes. You, I think we would all agree toxic words, right? If you look at a marriage, uh, whether it's yours or somebody else's marriage, and it's not a good marriage, all right? You know they're struggling, or you could just say, yeah, we're struggling. You know, whether it's your marriage or somebody else's marriage, if you look at a, at a marriage and it's not doing well, I promise you this, not even knowing the couple, I promise you one thing is true. There are more toxic words flying around than life-given words. Would you agree? So we live, so here's what I'm trying to communicate. Your words can actually make you sick. Not just yours, but the words that we hear, the words that we say can, and, and I'm not just saying spiritually, I'm talking like physically 
the words that you hear, if they're toxic enough, they can, they can penetrate through your skin, reach into your soul, and literally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally make you sick. So words matter. They're powerful. Now, you guys know that I love object lessons. So, so I got, um, I have, um, you guys know what this is? Does anybody know what this is? These are not mine. Uh, has anybody ever used a blowgun before? Raise your hand. All right, we got one, two. Oh, we got one. We only had like one person in the earlier service. Um, you know, what were they thinking? They don't know any better, you know. Um, so if you've ever used a blowgun, you know that what you do is you take a dart. And by the way, these are, and for this example, these are um, our words, okay? And so what you do is, and I'm not an expert. Again, a friend of mine let me borrow these. I've used them once. Calm down. I'm not going to point it at you. I'm not going to give you one of those examples when I, you know. But let me just, for those of you who know how to use it or you don't, what I've been told is that you take the dart, you push it through. There's a little groove in there. You want to make sure you push it through. It's sort of a safety feature in there because you don't want to put the piece to your mouth and, you know, breathe in and then get the, the dart on your throat, right? <laughs> so you want to make sure you push it through and then you, you aim and you blow, and then the dart goes, right? So that's, that's how you use it. They're super fun to use. Uh, have you ever seen those movies where, like, the spy or whatever, they're, like, behind some bushes or whatever, and then they go, and then it hits them with the dart, and it's like a poisonous dart, and then the person falls down. Have you, like, they faint. Have you seen those? Okay, okay, okay. So, so I believe that there are words with poisonous tips all over the... Sometimes that poison is it's wrapped with humor. Sometimes it's wrapped with sarcasm. But I believe they're, they're, sometimes it's wrapped with political comments or a little lie or just a twist of truth and, and then they're flying all over the place. And like, like in the movies, every once in a while, like, like it hits you and they're like, where did that come from? And it's a toxic... Word, like a toxic dart, like a poisonous dart that hits you, penetrates your skin, and it seeps, it goes through your skin into your soul, and it can actually make you sick. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. Words can make us sick. Listen to what the Bible says. If you want to, you can write this reference down for later if you want to study it later. Proverbs twelve eighteen. Reckless Words, help me out. What's the next verse? Pierce. Next word? Pierce. Reckless. Have you ever met a person who is reckless with their words? Let me let me flip it. Have you ever been reckless with your words? Yes. Right? Because it's easy to say, yeah, we know so and so, you know. But have you ever been a little reckless with your words? Raise your hand. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. We all have at times we've said things and it's like, ah, oh, that wasn't the right. Reckless words. They pierce. They hurt. Did you mean to do that to your hair? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and you sink into fear, right? Did um you're not married yet? How old are you? And you're like Oh, I'm only 52. It's like, man, what's wrong with you? And I'm just joking. <laughs> when are you planning on having kids? How long have you been married? Right? 
Why can't you be more like him? Do you remember when your parent said to you, why can't you be more like reckless word that's, that penetrates and sometimes we don't forget for years? True or false? True. Proverbs 15 for a different reference, but along the same lines, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So I think we're all on the same page. The wrong words can and will make you spiritually sick. They're poisonous. I had a friend who uh, went to a memorial uh, uh, a week or so ago, and um, he was wearing a mask. He was doing the elbow greeting. Do you guys know the elbow greeting, right? Nothing wrong with that. We do it at church here as well. And someone looks at him and says, Oh, you're one of those people. It's a poisonous dart. You shouldn't do that. You know, if somebody's got wearing a mask and give you an elbow greeting, it's cool. Especially if it happens, it didn't happen here, so I'm thankful for that. But if it happens here, I probably would have given you a call and said, Hey, let me just tell you a little bit about your words. Because words matter. Oh, you're one of those people. You're putting someone in a category. And as you, you will see today in the message, we don't do that. So I want to give you three action items. And I want you to leave these. I want you to leave today with three tools in your hands that you can apply this week. It's Thanksgiving week. I mean, you're going to, many of you are going to be meeting with friends, maybe families. You know, you're going to, some of those people, they know how to push your buttons, you know, and you're going to be tempted to do it yourself. You're going to be the ones using the blowgun, you know, every second you get. But I want to give you three action items to help you in this toxic world that we live in. Number one is this. I want to challenge you, and if you look at it in verse, let me look. It was the last verse we read, verse 29. Um, I want to challenge you to speak life-giving words every chance you get. And we'll, we'll go back to verse 29 here in a minute. But speak life-giving words every chance you get. This is hard. Because sometimes you don't feel like it, right? Sometimes they'll say something, and it's our reactions that get us in trouble. I know that in my marriage, in my relationship with the kids, with people at church, I can handle my, my actions okay, all right? For the most part, you know, I'm well-behaved. Um, I know you probably look at me and like, no, you're a crazy guy. I know you better know. No, I'm, well, I'm well-behaved, okay? I do, for the most part, I do a good job. But it's when, when someone says something and I get hit that I immediately want to turn around and hit back, and I want to punch back. And so it's my reactions that a lot of times get me in trouble. But my challenge and the challenge from God's word, and we'll look at the verse here in a minute again, is to speak life-giving words, life-giving words, every chance you get. Not when you feel like it, not often, but every single chance you get. So uh, a few years ago, there was uh, a man who comes, who's struggling with um, depression comes to his pastor. He's trying to get some counseling. The pastor's trying to help him through it. He a little bit suicidal. He'd had those thoughts at sometimes. I mean, it was all over him. And the pastor looks at him and says, "I want to, I want to do this little exercise with you, and I think it's going to help you." And says, "Okay, what, what, what's up? What, what do you want? What do you want to do?" And he pulled out a piece of paper, taped it to the wall, grabbed a pen, and started writing some things. He said, "I want you and I do this little do this little exercise. I want I want to come up with about a hundred positive, reaffirming 
truths about yourself. And the guy was lost. You know, he's like, I have no idea, pastor. Like, I don't know. Like, there's nothing good in my life. I'm struggling right now. This is happening. This is all that. And, and he's like, well, let's just give it a try. So what, what are you good at? Like, what, do you, is there any talent or anything? He said, well, I'm a good writer. He said, okay, wrote down, good writer. He said, what else? You know, and the pastor was kind of helping him through it. He said, well, some people say that I'm a, I'm a little bit funny. And the guy was funny. He had kind of a awkward and dry sense of humor but he could be funny so he wrote that down and then you know surely like it was a slow process but soon enough one thing began to you know like he began to mention one thing yeah i was voted president of my eighth grade class my mom told me that i was you know i used to clean my room when i was a kid and they get to a hundred and the guy says the pastor pulls a piece of paper folds it and says i want you to look at this whenever you're having those feelings of less than and you know depression and i want you to read those because these are truths about yourself and they pray and the guys i mean you could sit it was a great counseling session for him he left energized he left ready to go does not see him for years the pastor does not see him again for several years one day he's greeting people at the end of the service and he sees the same guy coming his way. And this time he's, he's got a kid, he's got a wife, and he I mean, gives him a big hug, hug and he says, man, I told you that God's, you know, he, you know, God was gonna do some incredible things in your life. And of course the guy smiles and then he pulls a piece of paper from his wallet. He unwraps it and he said, a true story, he says, Pastor, these words saved my life. These words saved my life. Now, I want to put the verse back up on the screen, and I want to ask a question. Here's a question that I have for you. Is this you? Because I'm not giving you any new content that you don't know. But the challenge this morning is, are you practicing what you already know? And can you say that, that this verse... Ephesians 4 and 29 describes you. Look, look, look at it with me. Let everything you say, everything you say be good and helpful. Is this you? Do you practice life-given words every chance you get? Because your words, they can harm, but they can also build. Your words can hurt, but they can also create. And so the challenge for us is to say, do my words... When you, when you take into account all of the words, right, that you say every day, the words you speak to your kids in the morning, the, word, the words that you say to your wife, do they, are they helpful words? Often what we do is we deny people of encouragement for some of the weirdest reasons. Sometimes we, we think that, you know, if I don't say it often, they're going to appreciate it more. Nothing could be further from the truth. They're like saying, you know what, I'm not going to feed my kids every day because I really want them to appreciate me. And so when I feed them, they're going to be like, thank you, we were starving. Should I do that? Probably not, right? So, so we withhold encouragement from people because we think that they're not going to appreciate it because we, if we do it so often, they're not, they're, you know, uh, and nothing could be further from the truth. It's like saying, I'm going to pay my bills, you know, every six months because that way that my, you know, they appreciate my contribution when I finally pay my car payment and my, my mortgage payment, you know. <laughs> and so words like, 
I believe in you. I want, I want to challenge you. I want you to look at someone, not, not right now, but someone this week, okay? Work, it could be a relative, it could be that one person that's coming to see you that you're like, ah! And I want you to lie to them. Is that okay? Can we lie? A little lie, it's okay. Oh, don't be looking at me like that. Everybody's like, you're judging me. I want you to tell them those words. I believe in you. You tell someone those words, their whole day will change. True or false? I believe, I know sometimes it's like, I don't know if I believe in you. I get that, you know. I want you to say those words. I'm proud of you. You're the best of the best. Man, I would marry you all over again if I got the chance. You know, there's nobody like you. I want you to, because it's, it's, we, it's all kinds of things that go through our brains, don't it? You know? And we think, oh, you know, they're not going to, you know, tell them you are so gifted. You are the answer to my prayers. Life-given words. And I promise you, you will see what happens in their lives. You will see that someone, sometimes it takes someone else to believe in you for you to finally believe in yourself. And it takes a person brave enough with enough guts to say, you know what, I see something in your life that you don't even see in yourself right now. And most people don't see it, but I believe in you. And I'm going to put a 10 on your head. Life-given words. Speak life-given words every chance you get. Here's a second action item. Number two, guard your heart against a critical tongue. Guard your heart against a critical tongue. Have you ever met somebody that's critical? Like overly critical, anybody? Any, any critical people here in our church? I'm just joking. No, don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> You're being too honest. Yeah. People who are overly critical... Here's the thing. Criticism spreads. Criticism, it, it's like a bacteria. It's like it spreads by, it multiplies by simple division. So, so listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. And there's so much wisdom in here. Usually people who are critical, they tend to run their mouth, right? And it's like, it's like one thing after the... They're the ones that spread the rumors. They're the ones that are poisoning the well. They're the ones that are gossiping. And what God says in his wisdom, he says, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Here's another one. Proverbs 17, 28, gray verse. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Criticism spreads. It's like bacteria. It's very easily, it just, you know, it, it, doesn't, take a, it doesn't take a lot of effort for it to spread. Criticism is often based on exaggerated lies. So, so people who are critical will always, usually say the word always or never. 
They use 100% statements. You always do this. You never. And they, they exaggerate the numbers. Everybody in the office is so like upset and they're so demoralized and they're, they're like, they don't know what to do. Well, not everybody. Come on. You know, it's like maybe you and one other person. But that's what criticism does. What do you do? You guard yourself. Because we live in, a, we live in the world. You know, like Paul didn't say, okay, I want you to move to a remote island away from the world. No, that wasn't the advice. The advice is, I want you to pick up your shield. I want you to pick, I want you to guard your heart. When those words, when those darts, poisonous darts, poisonous words are coming, flying in all kinds of directions, and it's like, phew. You know, he's like, he's not saying, I want you to leave the world. No, 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 no. He's saying, I want you to guard yourself. Critical people, criticism spreads. It's often based on exaggerated lies. It's often based on self-pity. You see it in the corporate world all the time. They're trying to climb the corporate ladder, and you're ahead of them, but they don't care. They're going to grab you and pull you down because they don't think that there's enough room for you and them. And the whole reason why they're doing that is because of self-pity. They're trying to prop themselves up so they can get to the next level, and they don't know that actually with you, they can actually go further in life. But they have this, this self-pity, and so they're going to do whatever it takes. Watch what the Bible says, Ephesians 6, 16. So this is a couple of uh, chapters after the passage that we just read. Paul writing these to the same people. He says this, watch this. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Listen to it. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame in what? darts of the evil one you see what i'm saying so don't necessarily remove yourself sometimes what we want to do is hide so this week when you man they're gonna show up they're gonna be there and you want to run right you want to be in like all by yourself but god's the, the instruction is not to run or hide or to avoid the confrontation the instruction is to protect your mind and heart to lift up that shield so so you're not going to listen to them my, my wife always says this consider the source and that really helps me because in ministry sometimes you have great intentions you got good motives you're trying to help someone and you help them whether it's with their finances whether it's advice whether it's praying for them and what you find out is that sometimes for some people it's never enough and and i don't know if they're entitled i don't know exactly what's going on through their mind but you give all of yourself to them and then you find out months later that while you were praying for them and figuring out a way to help them what they were doing behind your back is just you know poisoning the well and he was throwing those darts and talking behind your back. And so you can get bitter very quickly in ministry. You know, your heart can get callous and you can get like, forget it, I'm not going to help anyone. And you just go through the motions. But God says, guard your heart. Pick up the shield of faith in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith which we can extinguish all the flaming, help me out, all the flaming what? Darts. So one last point, and then we'll wrap up. Worship team, you guys can get in place. So I said three action items for you to practice this week. Number one, 
Speak life-giving words every chance you get. Listen, if I'm saying something and you just thought of someone that you need to speak a life, um, a life-giving word to, I want to encourage you, pull out your phone. You know, one of my rules for me, this is in my life, like when I think something good about someone, I tell them. So I send the email, send them the text, make the call, write the letter. If you've thought about something, don't wait, because if, if you wait, what's going to happen? You're going to forget. So, number one, speak life-giving words every chance you get. Number two, guard your heart against the critical tongue. Number three, and we'll close with this one, believe God, not them. When people speak their minds unfiltered, you have to know if you have it within your heart that they're human beings and and not everybody makes mistakes, right? If you know me for 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 any period of time, you will know I will disappoint you somehow because people are human beings and our words are very hard to control. Your job, my job, is to guard our hearts, to believe God, not the words that our people are saying. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. When people speak their minds unfiltered, consider the source. Consider the source. Those negative people are not just being negative to you. They're being negative to other people as well. It's not your fault. You know, it's just the way they are. It's maybe the way they were taught. Maybe the way they were raised. Whatever. Don't believe them. When people say you can't, you're not able, you won't. When people question you, when people label you, they put you in a box, they categorize you. Your job, your homework, believe God. I'm not going to believe everything people say. You're not who they say you are. You hear me? You're not who they say you are. You're divorced. You're this. You're that. Oh, but you just you just lose your patience. That's the person that you are. Oh, you just, you know, you just like this. You'll never be able to. And it's just those darts come and we don't even notice them. Sometimes we don't even feel them until we've passed out. And we wake up and we're confused and we're like, what in the world happened? How did I get here? I want to I want to finish with the words that we began because the apostle Paul understood this principle more than anyone in here so if you know a little bit about the apostle Paul he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament often some of the letters that he wrote he wrote them from prison it's not the case with this particular one he was not in prison with the Ephesians but like first Corinthians second Corinthians there's several that he wrote from prison and he faced brutal brutal obstacles and opposition so he had the Roman soldiers and the Roman influence and often he would end up in prison because of the Romans and the power and and all of that but on the other side he also had the religious circles who did not believe him who questioned him who questioned his faith they questioned his authority they questioned his calling to the ministry imagine that God calls you to the ministry and you have people who are saying like, yeah, but. And so his words to you, they're, they're a, it's a personal note. Let's put them on the screen. It is with what? 
with the Lord's authority. I'm not going to listen to the distractions. I know God called me. And I'm going to believe what He says about me. And so when He speaks life-giving words to you, to you, it's not because, you know, it's pretty and it's easy. He's doing it because He knows where the authority comes from. So your job and my job is to recognize my authority comes from the Lord. My position, my identity comes from the Lord. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, just a simple, just a simple thought as we wrap things up. Jesus, before he died, he said, I'm going to leave, but one day you will go in my name. They used to never do that. Before Christ, nobody went. Nobody prayed in Jesus' name. No, he said, I'm going to go to prepare a better place, kind of what Ignacio was saying in our worship. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God is going to be in you if you receive Him, if you accept Him. But in the meantime, you can go in my name. Your authority comes from me. You can pray in my name. You can speak in my name. You can believe and have faith in my name. And when the world is full of toxicity and toxins and those darts are going in every direction, you can still listen to what God says. I didn't cover it earlier, but Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, my daughter, pay attention to what I say. I love those words. It says, it says this, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting the verse, listen closely to my words. I can, it's almost like I can see God as a father, that fatherly figure, uh, just like leaning in and bending his knees and just looking at you, just like in whispering, just saying, my son, my daughter, listen, 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 pay attention to my words. You're not who they say you are. Believe me. Believe me. Now maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I can't control what people say to me. And I would agree with you. you most of the times you can't help it. You can't really do a whole lot. Sometimes people have diarrhea of the mouth. They just throw up on you. But God does give us some tremendous insight as to what we can do for ourselves. And we know that I think what God is saying this morning is don't settle for less. Speak those words every chance you get. Guard your heart because criticism is going to happen whether you like it or not. And believe me, believe me, I'm greater. My word over your life should have more authority. So, Father God, we surrender our tongue to you. Lord, we ask you to help us in this area. It's not an easy area to practice. Father, I pray that you would use us this week to speak a life-giving word to someone. Help us to believe what they don't believe in themselves. Help us to use those words. I believe in you. You are the best. You matter. 
You're the answer to my prayers. And God, when we get hit, God, I pray that we would know that it's just the nature of the game that we're in. That we just, it's just, the, it's the fight that, that we're in. And God, may we not crumble because the darts are flying our way. But may we lift up the shield of faith and believe you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.